And we're back, everyone. We'll get back to another episode of Taboo Topic. I'm your host, Ken Drew. And today's episode is going to be a great one, guys. It's going to be a great one. It's going to be a week in review. We're going to talk about headlines that may have caught your interest, but definitely caught my interest, right? And one of those interests is the Bill Cosby and Britney Spears case. We're going to talk about certain things that may have gotten lost in translation with these headlines and how both of those cases are going to move forward. And we're also going to talk about how the NFL has put out a new ad that says football is gay. If you didn't know that was a thing, which unless you follow sports, you're probably not going to know. But if you didn't know, that's a thing. A new ad came out this week that says football is gay and kind of went on with it, right? Anyways, we're also going to talk about how Kamala Harris has created a toxic work environment. And the source that came from was Politico. Politico, out of all the sources, came out with this report that Kamala Harris has this toxic work environment. And before we go on break, I want to remind everyone that you can read my newsletters just by typing the URL of kenjin296.substack.com. Just spell the word engine and put a K in front of the E and then you get kenjin296.substack.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at kenjin underscore express. I repeat, kenjin underscore express. And you can also follow me on Facebook, where if you just type in Taboo Topic and look for the logo that says honesty equals understanding, because here at Taboo Topic, we do dare to question the narrative, and we believe that free speech triumphs safe space. And you can follow me there, and no matter what platform you're on, you can give me a five-star, one-star, or whatever you decide this uh, podcast is deserved, worthy of and just leave a review and share this with people as well and if you have any comments as far as how this show could improve or how it could die off go ahead and write that as well go ahead and let me know and i will read them and or maybe not it depends on my mood to be honest but please leave a review and leave a star how many stars you ever want to put up there but i hope it's a five star because i think i do a pretty damn good job anyways uh before going any further we're gonna take a short break back live everyone welcome back to this episode of taboo topic week in review week in review and before i go any further i want to ask how your week was i know it's a very light-hearted topic and question but chances are if you reach out to me through the social media platforms i mentioned earlier because my audience is so small i will actually reach out and reply back to you because like i said my audience is so small now, I can tell you had a great week. Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby had a great week. Now, some people have mixed feelings. Some people are upset. And I would say a small majority, a small minority, I should say, a small minority are very enthusiastic about his release. Me, personally, I would say I have mixed feelings And this is why I have mixed feelings. As far as as a person and thinking whether or not he deserves to be in jail, he definitely deserves to be in jail from my perspective. This man should not have another, should not be able to have another breath of fresh air as a free man ever again for the things he's done. That said, my feelings towards him have no relevance in the court of law. And here's what I mean. So when it comes to to this situation, we have to know the difference between a civil case and a criminal case. And then there's the Fifth Amendment. Let's remember these three main players for the Bill Cosby situation. Now, in 2004, in his suburban home in Philadelphia, he drugged a... Temple University coach, right? The Temple University coach for a for women's collegiate athletes, uh, Andrea Constand. Uh, he drugged her and had sex with her, unconsensually. And fast forward to a couple years in the 2000s era, he testified in a civil case, 
and admitted to doing those things. And as a result, there's a settlement. And then fast forward. Now, that's with a different prosecution at the time. That was with a different, different set of lawyers. Fast forward to, I want to say, 2014 and 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Let me go ahead and look it up real quick for you, actually, just to double check. 2015, all right, that's when he got charged. In 2015, that's when they brought the charges against him for the sexual assault that occurred with the coach back in 2004. And then in order to get this conviction in 2018, they used the... What they did was they used the testimony from the 2000s against him where he admitted to drugging and sexually assaulting the coach, uh, Miss Constant. Now, I want everyone to remember the three players that I just mentioned, right? The civil case, criminal case, Fifth Amendment. In a civil case, right, a civil lawsuit, the Fifth Amendment does not apply. You cannot use the Fifth Amendment if you testify. The Fifth Amendment only protects your rights to, from self-incrimination, freedom from speech, in a criminal case, not a civil case. So if you decide to testify or you get asked to testify, you actually can say no. Versus a criminal case, if you get asked to testify, you at least have to show up in the courtroom. If you choose not to talk, that's when you can invoke the Fifth Amendment. In a civil case, you can say, I don't even want to show up to court. I'll pass. No, thank you. And so he testified. Now, before that civil case occurred, when Miss Constant brought the charges against him in 2004, the prosecution at that time deemed there wasn't enough to convict Bill Cosby of sexual assault. Now, in the military world, right, in the UCMJ world, Military uh, Uniform Code of Justice, in that world, it's very difficult. And I know it's difficult in the civilian case, but I'm just going to use the military to kind of give you an idea as far as how hard it is to convict someone of sexual assault. In the military, when you go to... When you get court-martialed and you go to your trial and everything like that, the court-martial, there's a criteria that the accused has to meet in order to be convicted of sexual assault. And the criteria is like a checkbox of 17 items, if I'm not mistaken. 17 to 20 items. And in order for that person to be convicted, they have to check off every single box. Every single box, if they miss just one box, you cannot be convicted, according to the UCMJ. You cannot be convicted of sexual assault. It's that difficult, and that's just the military. And that's the military in a sense of that's universal. Like, it doesn't matter what state you're in. It doesn't matter what country you're in. That is universal, right? In a... In a civilian world, it's a lot more complicated, right? Because you have to worry about the state jurisdictions and their laws. And, you know, they probably have, like, their own little criteria to meet. But in this situation, the Pennsylvania prosecution team at that time said there's not enough to convict him of sexual assault on a criminal standard, right? Now, at that time, they told Bill Cosby, if you testify this criminal, or excuse me, civil case... We promise not to use this against you and prosecute you later on in a criminal case. And so Bill Cosby went to the civil case and testified and admitted to doing these uh, evil acts with the premise that the prosecution or the state Pennsylvania prosecution, whatever, they were not going to go after him and use this against him later on. Well, obviously, in 2015... A new prosecution decided, you know what? We're going to use this against you. 
Just, just kidding. JK. And the Pennsylvania Supreme Court said you can't do that. You can't tell someone that you're going to do one thing and tell, promise them that you can't, that they're not going to use this testimony against you later on and then backhand them and say, you know, just kidding. And to their defense, yes, it was a different prosecution, but the Pennsylvania Supreme Court said, like, that doesn't matter. Once the state makes, makes that decision and makes that promise, they have to remain, I don't want to say loyal, but essentially they have to remain uh, faithful to their promise at that point. It doesn't matter if you like the person or not. It matters that you stay true to what you agree to, legally speaking. And so that is what happened in the Bill Cosby case. And the Pennsylvania Supreme Court pretty much said you can't retry this man. And at this point, with Bill Cosby, I have my hands in the air and shrugging, saying that's pretty much it with Bill Cosby. As far as legal problems, he's never going to be tried again. There's nothing to go from. There's really nowhere to go from here. It could theoretically go to Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court is very unlikely to take this case. And because of that, unfortunately, from a moral point of view, it is a loss. I don't think uh, Bill Cosby, like I said, he should have the right to breathe a breath of fresh air as a free man ever again. But my personal feelings does not matter in this situation, nor does anybody else's when it comes to the court of law. In the court of law, in a perfect world, it doesn't matter if you like someone or not. It's about the facts. And does, the facts in this situation happen to side with Bill Cosby as far as fair due process. So if you're a fan of due process, this is a big win for you. Um, there's been a lot of questions, especially after the Derek Chauvin trial, as far as how our legal system is not going to be is not basing their decisions these days based on fair due process and the facts, but it's basing off of emotion. You know whether or not they like someone or not. And I will say this, and I said this in my one of my newsletters when it came to the Derek Chauvin trial itself. You don't have to like the person to want fair due process because chances are that could be you or that could be someone you know very close and near dear to your heart that could be you in that situation and if that was you in that situation i'm pretty sure you would want a fair chance of proving your innocence at least or at least have the state play fair in this situation the supreme court from pennsylvania decided the prosecution team of pennsylvania did not play fair. And ultimately they said, you can't do that. Bill Cosby is free to go. Now, we're going to go ahead and talk about Britney Spears. She did not have a good week. Now, Britney Spears is a lot more complex than Bill Cosby. Uh, Britney Spears, I am not that familiar with her and her music. I know enough that I remember... Her, watching her sister from Zoe 101 when I was younger. As a matter of fact, if it weren't for her sister, I would have never heard of Britney Spears. I was, she wasn't my age group at that time. And by the time I got old enough to know or understand what was going on in her life, at that point, she kind of became, I don't want to say a distant memory, but she definitely had gone through the mental breakdown in 2008. Like, I saw her, the era when her dad became a conservator. And that's what this case is about. The, her desire to terminate uh, the contract of making her dad the sole conservator. And for those who are not aware of what a conservator is, which there's probably some of you that may be thinking, like, what the heck is a conservatorship? And I'm going to go ahead and just read off, like, the textbook definition of a conservatorship. You can find this definition uh, from smartasset.com. A conservatorship is a form of legal guardianship of an adult. Under this structure, you, the conservator, has legal authority over certain aspects of the conservator's life. This can range from limited 
to uh, full conservatorship, where essentially you have the same rights or responsibility that a parent or child. Now, normally this only happens, is more common when it comes to the elderly. If your mom and dad get old enough to where they're not mentally capable of like making some decisions on their own or completely unable to do it, you know, the adult male or child at that point will take care of their parent or grandparent, whatever, you know, you get the idea. Now, I don't know how common this is, but I think conservative would also make sense as far as for those who are more, uh, have some form of, uh, men- some form of, whatchamacallit, oh my gosh, I had it in my mind. I don't want to say mentally handicapped. Oh, some form of autism, excuse me, some form of autism to where they need that adult supervision in their life or guardianship to make sure that they're making uh, sound decisions and they're not hurting themselves or others for that matter. Now, in this situation, the reason why Britney Spears has a conservator in the first place was as a result of her mental breakdown in 2008 and her declining in mental health back in the 2000s. We have to understand that this was a young child or young adult that pretty much didn't have a childhood and the paparazzi was all over her and she had all these allegations against her, you know, despicting her as crazy and everyone's just so involved in her life. I watched a documentary of Framing Britney Spears. I've, you know, I normally don't have sympathy for Hollywood celebrities, but she managed to get sympathy from me. She actually managed to get that with me. Now, with that said, the recent allegations as far as what's been transpiring behind closed door with her conservator, which her conservator is her dad. And the conservatorship was granted in 2009 and was decided that he would be permanently be her conservator. Now, in most cases, it's very hard for the conservatee to terminate the contract that makes uh, whoever their conservator is, it's hard for the conservative to terminate their contract with that individual. It's very hard in the court of law. And in this situation, she lost the request to uh, to terminate that contract, right? But it does not prevent her from going further and trying to actually, you know, actually exclude her father from any financial decisions. Um, But essentially what happened or why she's making this uh, push is because there's some allegations that there's abuse going on in that relationship. And her dad has denied these allegations, by the way. But according to Britney Spears' allegations... Uh, he has forced her to be on this birth control device called an IU, IUD and has denied her desires to have a family and more kids and has complete control of her finances. And she had a very exploding testimony and got emotional and said, I want my life back. And... It has garnered a lot of attention and sympathy for her on a bipartisan scale. Even conservative outlets have gone on board in this whole free Britney Spears uh, hashtag. And listen, I think when it comes to these allegations and this whole situation, just with any criminal case or not criminal case, but just anything that has to do with like the law and everything like that, we have to take this with a grain of salt. We can't get caught up in the emotions and getting the whole you know, hashtag free Britney Spears. I will say if any of these allegations are true, especially uh, being denied her biological needs of maternal instincts of having more kids and just wanting a family and having that uh, companionship, if you will, I really hope that gets resolved for her. My heart goes out because that's pure evil. If that's true, it really is. My heart goes out to her. And as I said a moment ago, when I watched the documentary of Framing Britney Spears, she actually managed to get into my heart and I felt for her, especially as someone who uh, understands mental health and uh, works with mental health. Not works with mental health in a sense, I work with mental health patient, but I too myself am a mental health patient. As someone who 
understands that. My heart goes out for her. And listen, like I said a moment ago, her dad has denied these allegations and has said he has not had any control since 2019 when the court said that he would be relinquished from his powers as a conservator of the person in favor of someone else. But uh, he's also been able, he's still technically a conservator. He's just not the primary conservator anymore. And the allegations as far as him being in control of her life, he's denied all that and said that's all the the other primary conservator who is Jody Montgomery. And according to him, he hasn't been able to contact her at all. He hasn't been able to even talk to her. So take these allegations with a grain of salt. It's a bad week for Britney Spears, a good week for Bill Cosby. Um, and back to the Bill Cosby real quick. Listen, uh, even though the case may not go any further, I do want to encourage really anyone who's a victim of sexual assault to confine in someone they trust. And if someone actually uh, exploits that trust and vulnerability with you, to just drop them first and foremost. And also if someone actually comes against you as far as they actually cross that boundary society has determined that should not be crossed, especially when it comes to sexual consent. If someone crosses that line, please, by all means, report it to the authorities. I encourage you to report it to the authorities. Do not wait 10, 20 years and do not settle ever. Um, if you want this culture to ever improve, you want society to ever improve, I think there's definitely room for improvement in our society as far as the how we view sex as a whole. I think Hollywood, even though they claim to be uh, for the Me Too movement, a lot of their movies and show promote sexual assault subconsciously. And I think if you want to change that culture, you got to be the change you wish to see, right? Easier said than done. And I know it's hard. I've had friends who've been victims of sexual assault on both scales, actually. And again, my heart goes out to you guys, all right? And I, even though the Me Too movement has been overshadowed by people on the extreme side who have taken this as a weapon to use against males and to basically criminalize or indict all males as one generalization of we're all sexual predators, uh, I, I do believe in the idea of the Me Too movement, the original concept, and my heart goes out to all of you out there, and I want you guys to know that. And like I said, I encourage you to confine in someone you trust that's going to respect you and and love on you and comfort you. And I also encourage you to go report to the authorities before it's too late. But anyways, uh, we're going to be back after this short break. We're going to get into the NFL and how football is apparently now gay. So anyways, uh, now to a short break. And welcome back to Taboo Topic Weekend Review. And for this next segment, we're just going to dive right into it and dive into the new NFL ad of Football is Gay. Now, to clarify, the ad went further than just saying football is gay. They went through the whole LGBTQIA acronym and they said football is gay, football is lesbian, football is bisexual, etc. And this is a response to the most recent NFL athlete who's still playing the NFL right now. And it's a big deal because he's the first active NFL athlete to come out as a homosexual. Now, this NFL athlete is a defensive lineman for the Las Vegas Raiders. Still weird for me to say Las Vegas Raiders. But anyways, (laughs) uh, he's a defensive lineman for the Las Vegas Raiders. His first name is Carl. But I will not pronounce his last name because I don't want to butcher it and upset people. But if you're interested in how it, who he is, it's spelled N-A-S-S-I-B. And if you want to reach out to me and shout out and send me a voice text and explain to me how it's pronounced, please, I would greatly appreciate it. I would love that because I actually want to give this man respect, even though I disagree with his lifestyle choice. And that leads it to the next part of this little segment here, short segment, I should say. Um, Listen, I get both perspectives here, right? 
So let me address the NFL ad itself and why they're doing this. I think I get it. And here's my, st- here's my shot, right? Now, in the NFL and football in general, just American sports, football is the greatest, uh, is the one sport that exemplifies masculinity the best. At least that's what we've decided Football is that one sport that exemplifies masculinity at its best, um, especially when it comes to Christian values, how to be a man in a you know in this world. Football, athletics, whatever, great sport to showcase that uh, those values of morality. So as a result, there's this stigma when it comes to homosexual men in particular that if you are gay, that you're somehow more feminine than the other athletes who are heterosexual. And so it's good that the NFL is trying to break that stigma. And I think this NFL athlete who's still playing right now, this active NFL athlete, I think it's good for him to talk about this to further break the stigma. Because here's the thing. The homosexual lifestyle, I don't think it should be a taboo subject. And for many generations, it was not only taboo, but it was you're ostracized from society if you even admit having an attraction to the same sex. It didn't matter if you chose not to pursue the lifestyle. If you just admitted you had attraction to the same sex, you were just worthy of ostracization from society, cascaded, whatever. And so I definitely agree that it should not be taboo in that sense. But I also don't... And this goes to the other side of the coin. I definitely don't think it should be championed either, like glorified, as society has decided it needs to respond after all those generations of going the opposite way. And here's what I mean by that. Lately, the corporations and institutions are promoting this lifestyle. Anyone who comes out and when they roll the red carpet out, they're promoting it as it's all reward and no risk when there's science that says otherwise. And this is a part of this segment that I want to break the stigma that anyone who does not support the lifestyle or chooses not to support the lifestyle after listening to this, it's a strictly religious issue because there's science behind it as well. And the science behind it is this, and even more liberal sources have acknowledged this fact. Anyone who is actively um, in this lifestyle, sexually active, homosexually speaking, under the LGBTQIA plus community umbrella, they are more likely to get infected with sexually transmitted diseases, infections, or AIDS. Now, I'm not going back to the 20th century belief of AIDS is the gay disease because, quite clearly, even heterosexuals, both male and female, can get it. That said, as a result of the higher rates and higher likelihood of getting infected, their average lifespan tends to be less than 50. Only roughly 20% make it to the retirement age, which is somewhere in the 60s, late 50s. That's the typical retirement age. Only 20%. So it's bizarre to me how society is pushing this narrative that's complete reward and no risk when in reality there are health risks associated with this lifestyle now do i think if someone decides to could pursue that lifestyle anyway that we should judge their character as a result no i don't think so uh it would be no different than someone who decides to chew tobacco or smoke tobacco products right I'm not going to treat them any different. I'm not going to judge their character based on the fact that they choose to ignore the science despite the health risk associated, right? The science that says, like, hey, there's some health risk associated if you do this uh, particular habit or lifestyle. And, you know, I understand that smoking tobacco and, you know, having attraction to the same sex in the same manner that I have the attraction to the opposite sex is a lot different because it's human, you know, emotion is involved most a lot of the times. Um, but 
we cannot ignore reality either in admitting that there are risks and that anyone who is in this lifestyle, a lot of them don't even reach the age of 50. And that is a sad fact. And I wish it wasn't true, but that's the reality. And if you're a Christian in particular or religious who doesn't believe in the homosexual life itself because you believe it's a sin, it kind of validates why God said this is not a lifestyle worth pursuing because of these facts, scientific facts. And I think as a Christian, you just need to do the best you can and talk to people that you trust, um, especially if you have attractions to the same sex. You trust to just come out, to just admit at least. I think it's better to come out and admit something than it is to bottle it up. Because a lot of these athletes in particular who, are, who have that attraction, they go through serious depression, anxiety, and they get um, into these vices that's not healthy for them. So I think it's important. If you're an athlete out there or you know anyone in general who has an attraction, is in a community that's very taboo, I encourage you to go talk to someone that you could confine and just be honest about your attraction. Because like I said, I think it's better to just get it out there. Just let it out instead of just, you know, bottling it in and pretend um, that it's not there. Because if you have an attraction to the same sex, you have an attraction to the same sex. It's not your fault. It's just a matter of, I think, a chemical imbalance than anything else that needs to be worked on. But that's a more controversial and different subject for a different uh, podcast for another time. With that said, I do encourage anyone who has that attraction to confine in someone they talk to. And the more you confine, the more you break the stigma as far as, you know, athletes, especially in male sports, you have to be straight in order to play these sports and if you play these sports and you have that homosexual attraction, that means you're more feminine. That's not necessarily true, obviously, right? So we want to break that stigma, but I also want to break the stigma that if you're against it, you're, you must be religious. And or if you're against it and you're religious, you're, you know, you're this hateful person. And if you have, and I would also recommend those people to confine in someone they trust so they can admit they're not an ally in that sense as well, whether you're religious or not. So... I think there needs to be some understanding on both ends of this scale. And, you know, I think it's a mixed bag with this ad. For me, it's a mixed bag. It's, it's good that we're going to help break the taboo, but it's also going to alienate half the country um, in a sense of they're tired of seeing left ideology being pushed and they feel neglected in their values. So I hope there could be some happy medium where everyone feels included, right? The whole inclusive, inclusivity actually applies to everyone, not just one ideology. But I think the Christian uh, values aspect allows for that inc inclusivity. When we can say, I don't agree with your lifestyle, but I respect you. And I don't think it's a determination of your character. Um, I think that's something you can only get in a Christian worldview, but that's just my perspective. Anyways, uh, we'll be back after this short break. We're going to get into Kamala Harris and her toxic work environment, and I'm also going to give you a little bonus segment as well, and that's going to be a surprise. But anyways, until then, we're going to take a short break. Welcome back to the Taboo Topic Weekend Review. And to finish off the episode, we're going to go ahead and what I originally planned to be two separate segments. I'm just going to go ahead and combine the two segments into one. We're going to start off with Kamala Harris before we get to the bonus segment. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and talk about Kamala. So Kamala Harris, uh, she went to the border about two weeks ago. And I say border using air quotes. Uh, because she technically did go to the border. The problem is the part of the border that people were wanting her to go was where the where the crisis is actually happening was over by Brownsville and McAllen, Texas. That's where the majority of the problems are happening right now. That's where you have like the drug cartels, the sex traffickers, 
the criminals and just people who are just desperate in general to get out of their country because it's such a hellhole right now over there. Um, that's where the problems were happening. And she, yeah, she technically went to the border, but that's not where the crisis is happening in El Paso. And the people in El Paso definitely let her know how they feel about her and their sentiments on her and President Joe Biden being in charge as a whole. But anyways, uh, when she went to the border in El Paso, again, air quotes, because she technically did go there to go to a border uh, town, um, there was a trigger sub staff members to go ahead and speak out about what's going on in the office of Kamala Harris. And I think it's kind of funny for me to read this and hear about this because it validates confirmation bias, right? It validates like my distaste for her, just put it nicely. I have a very strong distaste for her. I didn't think there would be a possibility or a day where I actually see someone on public television that would make me cringe more than Hillary Clinton, but she manages to do that. Kamala Harris has this demeanor about her that tells me there's she's full of corruption and she's not a nice person. Again, I'm being very diplomatic in my adjectives with her. I can get a lot worse and she deserves it, but I'm not going to go there. We're going to keep this PG-13, if anything, especially if you are listening to this and you have kids. Um, I want to keep this appropriate for your kids as well. But uh, this triggered some staff members to go ahead and speak out and go to Politico and basically admit that she's not a nice person. Put it plain simple, right? She's not a nice person and she... uh, is creating a toxic work environment, which as someone who has been in a toxic work environment, I sympathize with them, right? Now, to be more specific, it was an interview of with 22 people, right? 22 current and former president, vice presidential aides, officials, associates. Um, they described their time and or currently uh, time there as a deep, dour office atmosphere and he she has and they had said that she has created an insular environment where ideas are ignored or met with harsh dismissals and decisions are dragged out often they say she refuses to take responsibility for delicate issues and blames staffers for the negative results that ensue now guys i don't know about you but i've been in that kind of environment before where the employer or your boss in general is making these bad decisions and when the bad decisions don't work out the way they hoped or they thought would work out, you get the blame, you get the shit end of the stick, right? And it does create this very hostile environment where eventually, I don't want to say you could spire against your own boss, but you kind of do because you start talking to your coworkers and your coworkers and you, chances are you guys are probably feeling the same way unless it's just targeted towards one person, which even then, if it's just towards one person, it could also create a toxic work environment because it can create a divide as far as those who are loyal to the boss and those who are loyal to the person. It can create this a ripple, right? This divide that, you know, People start taking sides, and when people start taking sides, there's no teamwork, there's no cohesion, etc. It's very, it's just bad overall, right? But when there's 22 staff members talking about this, like this is not just a one person thing. This is like everyone's having this sentiment towards her. Um, one of the people, I'm going to quote one of the people here, and pe- this is what this one person said: uh, "People are thrown under the bus from the very top. There are short fuses, and it's an abusive environment." It's not a healthy environment, and people often feel mistreated. It's not a place where people feel supported, but a place where people feel treated like shit. Um, yeah, again, I can completely sympathize that feeling. And again, I kind of find it a little funny in a sense, like it confirms like my opinions and beliefs about her and her demeanor as far as she's not a nice person. But um, what should we call it? Yeah, it says like 
So Politico says the dysfunction in the VP ranks threatens to complicate the White House's carefully crafted image as a place staffed by a close-knit group of professionals. Which, ironically, it's kind of true because the media is trying very hard to create this image that the Joe Biden administration is the polar opposite of President Trump, right? With President Trump, it was just pure chaos. But with President Biden, they're trying to create this picture that everything is, you know, the grass is greener, the pastures over there, you know, everyone's galloping in, into the sunset now that Trump's out of office. But this completely breaks, this is like the first crack in their crafted, carefully crafted image of the Biden administration, which the media and the big tech institutions and everything like that, they're not even bothering talking about the policy disasters that's going on in this administration. But um, as far as, you know, the cohesion aspect of things, like everything's just like a well-oiled machine, this definitely is like the first crack. And obviously she's denied these allegations and one of her uh, senior advisors and spokesmen uh, pushed back and denied and said, you know, try to make it to a race issue and what should we call it? Yeah, and try to pull in there and say like black women in particular are subject subjugated to standards that men often don't have to clear. And that's what, you know, that's what one of them were saying. But listen, as someone who's been in a work, toxic work environment before, it doesn't matter what color of skin you are. If you're an a-hole, you're an a-hole. All right. I've been, I have been around employers who have thrown their employees under the bus as soon as something goes wrong. I remember one time I was told to do one thing and then when I ended up doing that one thing, they got mad at me for doing the same, the very thing they told me to do and long story short, I, I temporarily got in trouble but eventually that person got fired so it worked out for me. If these allegations are true, which I do want to say these are allegations that haven't been confirmed or verified they're true. So kind of like what I said with the whole Britney Spears situation, take this with a take this with a grain of salt. And like I said with Bill Cosby, as far as you know, you don't have to like someone to give them a fair chance to prove their innocence. Same with her. As much as I don't like her, I do want to give her a fair chance as far as prove that this is not true. Though, if there's 22 people, eh, that's kind of hard not to believe, personally. Just like the Bill Cosby situation, right? You had, like, 60-plus women that pretty much gave the same exact story, the same pattern of her doing this, of him doing that. And there's 22 people right now. It might as well be, like, a Me Too movement in the circle of Kamala Harris of saying, hey, we're in this toxic work environment with her. Me Too. I was a victim of this abusive environment and actually this is not the first time I think this was brought up as an issue back uh, when she was running for to get the primary candidacy for the Democrat Party for the 2020 election and I think this was brought up as one of the issues um, some have dismissed as conspiracy theories which at this point it's probably a conspiracy theory in the eyes of the media because they're in power and like I said they're trying to create this carefully crafted image that Everything is running, you know, in fine oil, if you will. Everything's just running smoothly. But uh, it's amusing to me because, yeah, anyone have that buyer's remorse yet? If you bought, if you voted for Joe Biden, anyone have that yet? Uh, and if you have, it's like, well, I told you so. So, anyways, uh, take everything with a grain of salt with her in this situation. But... I do hope for the best that the allegations are true, that it works out for them. And especially if Joe Biden, Joe Biden says, like, there's no room for this kind of environment when he uh, first came into office or before he came into office. He said anyone who's creating this kind of work environment has no place in, in his administration. So if the media says he's competent enough to, like, run things by himself, then theoretically speaking, I know it's not going to happen, but if you want to showcase the world that he's actually in charge and it's not, he's just not a puppet, you would get rid of Kamala Harris as VP. 
I know that's not going to happen. That's just, you know, me being wishful and thinking, but, you know, can't blame a brother for trying, right? Anyways, now we're going to go ahead and finish out with the bonus topic, and we're going to talk about the election, back to 2020 election. That's still a 2020 election, but this has been brought up ever since the 2020 election as far as election integrity. And the Supreme Court this week ruled in favor of Arizona's voting law, which the voting law was pretty self-explanatory as far as, one, they could throw out votes that were casted in the wrong precinct, and two, if you have a mail-in ballot, the only people that can uh, turn in the ballot for you is family members or caregivers, which, in hindsight, you wouldn't think that would be an issue, but it's an issue, especially with the Democrats. Ever since the 2020 election, I think 20 states have passed laws to make voting, um, I don't want to say more restricted, but they definitely made it more, uh, they wanted to provide more integrity as far as like you actually have to have a voter ID or some kind of ID in general that says you're a legitimate uh, resident of the state in order for me to vote there. And again, in hindsight, it shouldn't be a big deal, but they're making it a big deal. The Democrats are. Because they're making this into a uh, race issue and saying that, you know, certain races are not able to get voter ID or that somehow this is uh, disproportionately affecting minorities as if we're not capable. And I say we because I'm, I'm in the minority, right? I'm like a mixed kid of like Hispanic, white, and Hebrew um, as if we're not capable of actually getting an ID and then or requesting a ballot ourselves, you know, actually abiding these simple rules, right? It's like, it's not a big deal, but they're trying to make it a big deal because the media, they're about narratives, right? And the narrative right now is that this weakens the Voting Rights Act, which the Voting Rights Act was passed in 1965, 1965 by President Lyndon Johnson. It was aimed to overcome legal barriers at the state and local levels that prevented black Americans from exercising the right to vote as protected in the 15th Amendment. Um, if you want more specific, the specifics included, it basically banned uh, literacy tests, uh, which you may call it. It <clears throat> uh, provided federal oversight of voter registration in areas where less than 50% of non-white uh, people had not registered to vote and authorized the U.S. Attorney General to investigate the use of poll taxes, which in 1964 with the 24th Amendment, the poll tax became illegal in federal elections and they were banned by the Supreme Court in 1966. So um, they're saying that somehow these laws weaken the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which uh, I kind of find that, again, a little amusing to hear because there's nothing about this that makes sense. And it's kind of insulting to anyone who's not white that suggests that we can't, that this, somehow this negatively affects us. Because why? Well, because they probably subconsciously believe, you know, with their implicit bias that we're not capable of you know, abiding these rules and that this would somehow affect this because we're at a disadvantage, right? So that's their implicit bias. How do you like my logic, right? <laughs> my liberal logic using against them. Anyways, um, but yeah, it's funny, but the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Arizona. So even the liberal sources like NBC is acknowledging that because of this case, this could actually help other states pass uh, election integrity laws that would make sure there's more trust in the results because there's a lot of mistrust from the last election um, with the allegations of voter tampering and you know the allegations of how the unproven allegations that the votes were illegally casted to the point where it changed the outcome of the election. I, like I said, I'm not going to confirm because I, I can't verify that if the election 
had not been compromised, the results that the results had not been compromised, the results would have changed. But I could definitely tell you that I thought the results were compromised, and I think that's what the states are trying to ensure that make sure like there's no room for like any questions from the population because half of America believes the results were compromised at least. There's definitely some tampering. And I think it's a fair, you know, happy medium right there where it's like, all right, you know what? Moving forward to make sure we don't have this happen again. <coughs> Excuse me. I'll make sure we don't have this happen again. We're going to pass some laws that everyone should theoretically agree on, which I honestly think if you ask the regular Joe or Jane, no matter what race they are, they probably are not offended by the fact that you have to show an ID when it comes to like actually requesting a ballot. And even then, the idea like you actually have to go out of your way to request a ballot, like the state of Georgia, like the state of Georgia is just not going to hand you a ballot anymore. You have to actually go out of your way and request it online <clears throat> um, or by the DMV office. I'm not entirely sure, but you just have to request it. Um, I think that is a fair... Again, I think most people don't have an issue with that. But it's just that level, the elite level and the federal level and state level even. Um, they're trying to make this into something that's not blow out of proportion. But anyways, all right, guys. So thank you for tuning in to this day's uh, or today's episode of Weekend Review. Uh, yeah, it's been a great first week, wouldn't you say, of Taboo Topic. Uh I got some good newsletters coming out this month. I'm going to try a change of pace. I'm going to start writing poetry. So if you like poetry, I definitely would recommend going ahead and subscribing to my Substack. But anyways, I hope y'all have a great rest of the day. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember that today and tomorrow, whatever you're going through, it's always a chance to self-improve. And I want y'all to remember that you are loved and that there's people around you that care about you and that, yes, we may go through hard times as a country, but that does not mean we cannot get through. And I do believe that we will get through this. But anyways, um, until then, God bless. Mm -hmm.